It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Jota, Dundalk and Cavan. Order your new 221 Renault today from our extensive Renault range. Guaranteed delivery and low-rate APR finance. Visit BlackstoneMotors.ie. You're very welcome to Tuesday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Thank you so much for the cards. They just keep on coming every day. Your generosity is much appreciated. And I'll get to reading some of them for you a little bit later on in the show. And just your Friday warning. Yes, Friday is the cut-off day to send me in your Christmas puddings. Best Christmas pudding in the Northeast on Late Lunch again this year. We have puddings. I have them. I'm minding them carefully. But if you have a pud and you're holding back till the last minute, you've got to have them with us by Friday. Friday, 3 o'clock is the uh, drop dead point for the puddings uh, this year. And then we'll judge them over the weekend and pick a winner on the show early next week. And thank you if you sent us in a pud already. And if they're on the way, we look forward to receiving them here at LMFM Radio. Let's get straight to business today. He's a fixture on late lunch. We let him go for a while, but he's been back in recent weeks. He is one of our foremost immunologists. He's head of the Department of Biology, director of the Human Health Research Institute at Maynooth University. I'm delighted to say hello again to Professor Paul Moyna. Hello, Paul. Good afternoon, Jerry. Thank you for joining me. Couple, Look, there's been pandemonium since Omicron was mentioned, but let's focus for a moment on some real positives that have emerged this morning. Now, I know you're busy. I don't know whether you would have heard them, but two things... The uh, Pfizer vaccine, a news from South Africa, uh, and it's a big case study, almost a quarter of a million people, uh, that two doses of Pfizer, 70% protection against hospitalisation and serious illness. Yeah, I think I think what it's telling us, Jerry, is, and we've seen this throughout the pandemic, uh, the vaccines have worked against all the variants with respect to protecting people from serious illness. And that's what the vaccines were developed to do, to protect us against becoming seriously ill. Um, you know, you hear a lot of commentary in terms of the vaccines, maybe they're not working as well as we'd hoped or they're no longer working. And again, that's definitely not the case. The vaccines, the, they're designed to stop you from getting very, very sick. And you see, even with the Omicron now, the vaccines are still protecting against that may not protect so much in terms of stopping you from getting infected, but in terms of protecting you from serious illness, yes, the vaccines still work in that sense. And that makes sense completely. And we probably shouldn't be surprised with this because what we know from immunology is that when you're vaccinated, you produce antibodies. Antibodies stops you from getting infected, but you also stimulate these T cells in your body. The T cells, what they do, if you're infected by the virus, 
they get rid of the virus, they kill the cells that are infected with the virus. Whereas the mutants, some of these mutants and variants, like, for example, the Omicron, where they can bypass the antibodies, they find it much more difficult to bypass the T cells. And the reason there is that the antibodies recognize maybe about five or six different regions on the spike protein. These T cells recognize up to 100 different regions. So it's going to be almost impossible for a variant to change all of those regions. And because these T cells still work, even if the variant bypasses the antibodies and infects people, because you've been vaccinated, your T cells will go in, clear the virus, and you may have it for a number of days. You may end up with it being your upper respiratory system. You may end up with mild symptoms. But importantly, the T cells get rid of the virus before it gets down into the lower respiratory system, into the lungs, because there it causes the inflammation and pneumonia, that, and then obviously the severe problems that end up in ICU. So really encouraging, Jerry. And again, I think some part what we would have predicted based in terms of our understanding of how immunology works. Now, the pharma companies as well, Paul, are working on uh, tweaking vaccinations for these variants. Will we arrive at a stage like the flu vaccine down the road where, you know, each year so many are picked up in the southern hemisphere, we get the injection here in the northern hemisphere to try and ward it off. Will it become like that? Will we be annually vaccinated for this? Yeah, it depends really in terms of if you look at the vaccines that have been used so far, they've all essentially been the same. And even though we've encountered different variants, we, we give the same vaccine over and over, maybe in a different form, whether it be in the form of an adenovirus like AstraZeneca or Johnson Johnson or in the form of RNA. But we're basically getting the spike protein that would have been in the original strain. And that's the vaccine uh, we're getting. So, yes, companies are looking at Pfizer's looking, for example, at the possibility of creating a vaccine that is tailored for Omicron. So what that would mean is the, the spike protein that you would get in the vaccine would essentially be the spike protein that is corresponding to the spike protein in Omicron. So then you'd probably get very good protection against infection with that. But then we also know that other variants will arise during time. And the other factor is that with what we call waning immunity, but it's more waning antibodies rather than over waning immunity overall because the T cells will last a long, long time. So I think we get to the stage where if we try to move to a situation where we're boosting and we're boosting really just to stop people getting infected, you could be looking at situations there where boosting is required every four to six months. I'm not sure how practical that is. So I think over time we will get to the stage where the virus will continue to circulate. Most of us will probably be exposed to it at some stages in our life. And what happens to each person when they're infected depends on their state of protection when they're infected. And the really good thing is that most of us are vaccinated and those vaccines give us really good protection. You might have some mild symptoms. So as a result, you probably won't see a high impact of infections in terms of translating into serious illness and hospitalisation. You always will have some, like you do with flu. So I would imagine that's how it's going to develop over years, maybe for the first two or three years, maybe situations where we top up with a booster and maybe some specific boosters. But I can see over time it will become, I think, like one of the other coronaviruses and it could just take maybe two or three years to get to that stage. But uh, I think the vaccines are still doing what they should be doing and protecting us from the very serious consequences. The other good news is today, Paul, Pfizer's COVID pill. The risk of hospitalisation and death cut by 89%. This is even better news. Yeah, that's really good. And what it does is it complements the vaccine. It works different from the vaccine. 
So the vaccine works by giving us part of the virus, giving us this spike protein. Your immune system recognises that as not belonging to the body and will generate antibodies or T-cells against it. And then when you're exposed to the virus, you're already protected and you have the antibodies and T-cells that will go in and get rid of the virus. Different with the antivirus. So the antivirus, for example, from Pfizer, Paxlovid, that is an antiviral drug. And this drug goes in and directly targets the virus, not our immune system, the virus, and stops the virus from replicating. And the way in which this works is that when you're infected with the virus, the virus contains 29 different proteins. In order for the virus to replicate and get into very high numbers and infect other people, you have to replicate the RNA, but you also have to make all of these viral proteins, these 29 of them. And initially they're produced in very large proteins and they need to be trimmed and processed. They're processed by an enzyme, a protease, and this antiviral drug stops the protease from chopping those big proteins into the mature proteins which are required for the virus to assemble. And this is the first drug that has been tailored designed to specifically target this virus. And again, the initial data coming out from here seems very promising. So you could imagine that you know people with breakthrough infections, even though they're vaccinated, maybe they get infected, maybe they have the possibility, maybe risk factors associated with becoming very sick. They're the people who probably end up getting this antiviral. Now, it's disappointing in some ways in the sense that Merck also has an antiviral drug. The cost for these, they're pitching them at a very high level. I think the treatment, the five-day treatment, is pitched at a level around €700. Euro. So it's not a case that it's going to be used for everybody, but certainly it will complement the vaccines. And together, I think that gives us a really good chance in terms of being able to control the virus. I mentioned the word panic a few moments ago when I was addressing a question to you. Do you feel that's been the case, you know, with Omicron or was it right, you know, to raise the alert so high? Because honestly, Paul, you probably hear this yourself or feel it. People just, you know, you see the cues and I understand that people want to get the booster jabs and that is great that people do. But to cause blind panic. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was a good idea, Jerry. I, I, I didn't think there was ever any case to panic. Absolutely need to be cautious. Absolutely you need to do the studies in terms of finding more about it and understanding how this transmits. Does it transmit better? Does it cause more serious disease? But I think one of the things that we've been guilty of, and maybe the scientists have been guilty of it, and it's sort of a reluctance in terms of maybe trying to not so much predict, but use what we know about science and what we know about immunology in terms of giving people more comfort. So in terms of what I've described, and I sort of tried to describe it last week as well, that even though we didn't have the data, I was always of the view that it would be very, very unlikely that this variant could bypass all of our immunity. And I think there's a sense out there sometimes that the vaccines are no longer working. The vaccines, even the two doses, are still working really well in terms of protecting us against serious illness. What the booster does is it boosts our antibodies and it gives you a better chance of being protected from initial infection. And that's mostly what the booster is going to do for us. It does help us a little bit as well in terms of if we are infected, to clear the virus more efficiently. But I, I don't think there's a need for panic. I, certainly, when you begin to see how well this transmits, some of the numbers then has the possibility of scaring people because yesterday we heard, OK, there's about 18 confirmed cases of Omicron. But when you do the PCR, there's a proxy measure of uh, being able to pick up this Omicron variant before you do the sequencing, which takes a number of days. And the reality is about, I think, 11% of the cases yesterday, based on this proxy measure, are probably Omicron. That's four or 500 cases, not 18 or 20. And in some countries, 
this doubles every two or three days. So suddenly within a week, you could be up at maybe three or 4,000 cases of this per day. So, but, And if you model that and go with that exponential, it gets up to really, really high numbers. Now, the reality is we never get up to those really high numbers because it's not a situation where it's just completely random. You will see it in certain localities getting the very high numbers uh, and then in other localities not. But I think, yeah, we need to be careful. We need to be careful not to promote this idea of panic, that vaccines aren't working, yeah. and just do what we normally do in terms of the science and research and work our way through that. A listener there, just a quick one for you, Paul. Um, I got the first two jabs, got my flu jab recent uh, days as well. I'm feeling a little bit under the weather. Do I need to get this booster, says a listener, Paul? I would. If, you, if, you're, if you're offered a booster, Jerry, so it, it was a case that was five months after your second dose, now that's been reduced to three months. It was always the case for three months with the Johnson & Johnson. So three months after, so if you're off the vaccine or when you're eligible for the vaccine, I would encourage you to get the vaccine. Because what it will do is it will boost your antibodies. And even though with the two dose, you're still, as you said, with the data coming out from South Africa, gives you really good protection against serious illness. But the boosting will probably increase your chance of not getting the virus in the first place. So I think boosters, absolutely. Boosters are really good protection against uh, Omicron. Now, you have been so insightful. I, I think of the uh, wide U, the letter U, but wider when we look at the year. You know, the high points either end of the year, springtime uh, and wintertime at the other side, and the cases, I'm talking about cases and that, dropping off in, in between. Looking ahead into next year, will it be similar, Paul? Are, are, you see, are, we, are we going to see similar trends? I, I think we probably will. Uh, as all of you, Jerry, we should use the natural advantages we get with the virus in terms of that it does transmit better. I don't think it's unusual that we're seeing these very high levels, high, high cases around this time of year. We saw it last year as well, albeit, you know, with different variants. But I think we should use the natural advantage in terms of restrictions and things like that. I can never quite understand during the summer period when naturally the virus doesn't transmit as well, you know, just to make use of that time. I think sometimes there's a sense that you put credit in the bank, that if you're really closed down in the summer, and there's this narrative, once we open up, we will never close down again. And, and it's very difficult to make those commitments. I think use the natural advantage in terms of the seasonality. I think you probably will see similar patterns. I think you will see, you know, waves, uh, increased numbers during the winter months. I think because of the vaccination, the vaccination really is what protects us and prevents most of us from the consequences of this infection being very severe. And I think throughout our lifetime, I think most people, if not all, will be exposed to the virus at some stage. Most of us may end up getting infected with it. Some of us may not even be aware of having been infected with it because of the protective effects of the vaccine. Some will get mild symptoms and then it will clear within a few days. Some, unfortunately, will develop serious illness and there will be some deaths in the same way that there is with flu. But the vaccines are doing a really good job. So what I would say is that, you know, the suggestions coming from South Africa, even with the Omicron, that actually it causes milder disease. I think that's probably due to the fact that either people have been vaccinated, even though the rate of vaccination there is only 25%, but probably over 60% of people have already been infected. So they've got that protection. So I'm not convinced that the Omicron variant is less severe in terms of the disease. So if somebody was unvaccinated, certainly I'd be encouraged them to get vaccinated. Um, so I think the vaccination, prior infection, that protection, and it's our immune system that's keeping this at bay, Jerry, in the same way that it keeps hundreds of other viruses at play. We're exposed to so many different viruses that frequently we're not aware of being exposed to them because of 
how well our immune system works. And I think that's what's going to keep it at bay. But you probably will see some seasonality. And again, just uh, as you've always said, test, trace, isolate, antigen test, the full battery, fire everything at it. I think so, Jerry. Yeah, I think the, the really difficult part about the virus is you can't see it. You can only see it when people have symptoms. And sometimes, you know, this virus is present in people where there's no symptoms. So, yes, use tests. Uh, like my view is we use antigen tests even in terms of symptomatic. I know that's not the best from public health, but I would, I would query the science over that. Um, and then also some of the other things that we've been slow to the game in terms of, for example, ventilation, air filtration systems. Happily now the Department of Education is supporting that. But again, a number of these things, I think the vaccination I think has been very successful. You can argue maybe how efficient the rollout of the booster has been, but by and large the vaccination has been a fantastic success. Some of the other decisions have been a bit slow coming, especially in terms of antigen testing, especially in terms of air filtration. And I have some sympathy there for the government, actually, because the advice we're getting from public health was sort of went against some of the expert opinions and some of the expert groups that were, used to, that were established to report on this. So it's difficult then for the government, I think, to overrule that. But eventually they get there. So, But there is significant delays in the process. But you're right, Jerry. use all of those, whatever measures especially technology, whatever measures we have at our disposal, use all of them to try to mitigate the risk of the virus. Paul, you've been so good to us on the show. I know our listeners love you and I thank you sincerely for all you've contributed to Late Lunch across the last year. I want to wish you and your family and everybody around you a happy Christmas and all the best for 2022, Paul. Well, thanks very much, Jerry. It's always a pleasure to chat to you. Obviously, you'd like to be chatting under different circumstances, yes. but uh, no, I always enjoy chatting to you and I've said to you before, Jerry. I think in terms of the service that you provide to the local community, I think it's really important to explain things and as much as possible. If we have some insights that help, that's great. So uh, I hope you have a good Christmas, Jerry, and all your listeners as well. Thank you, Paul. Lovely to talk to you. Take care of yourself. That's Professor Paul Moyna there, immunologist and head of the Department of Biology, director of the Human Health Research Institute at Manute University. Ah, oh, thanks for all your cards. Send me a Christmas card to LMFM Radio and I'll send you one back. Personally signed by me with a little message to say thank you. And the cards are from the Gary Kelly Cancer Support Centre. I'm supporting them this Christmas time. They just keep coming every morning. I love the post. I really do. Tom and Mary Hapney, Pepperstown RD, one on the way back to you. Oh my God, Santa's little helper has sent me a Christmas card. I'll have to send the card there back to the North Pole. I love opening the envelopes. Sorry, I'm a little bit late in the day opening my post, but who cares? I love post. Tommy Caffrey and Balbriggan, the wonderful table tennis player. Tommy, you never let me down. God bless you. Happy Christmas. There's another one there from Ballandrimna at Boy from Betty Flynn. Lovely Betty. Thanks a million for that one. Let's open a couple more and see what they say to me today in the post. All the way from lovely Dundalk. Look at that card there. Isn't it beautiful? From the other, Jerry and Anne Campbell. Hello, Jerry and Anne. Oh, old friends. Anne, Jerry, the badminton, the golf, you name it. Lovely to get the card from you both and hope you're keeping well this Christmas time. Let's do another one here. Let me see what's in this one here. Oh, it's beautiful. It's from Agnes, Theresa, Marie Gormley. Agnes Gormley, thank you for your card. And one more, a biggie here. Big envelope, this one. What's in it? Let me see what's in this here. Ah... It's my calendar from the Divine Word Missionaries from Jer McCullough and family. Thank you so much, little Mills Dundalk. Great to get them all. Keep them coming to me. Now we move on on late launch and it goes without saying. 
Parenting is stressful at any time of the year, but Christmas time extenuates the difficulties for many, many people. I haven't spoken to him for a while, I've just realised, but I am delighted to him to have him back with me on the occasion of the publication of his brilliant second book called Help Me to Parent, Volume 2, from CA Coaching, Alan O'Donoghue. Hello again. It's great to be speaking to you again, Jerry. It's been a while. It's been, <laughs> Alan, it's been far too long. It really has. It's great to have you with us. Congratulations on the book. Thanks very much. I'm delighted to get it out and about now. It's it's a, it's a lot of work goes into getting the books out. So I had the launch last Wednesday and it's nice that it's uh, available for people to buy. Where can it be got, Alan? So you can get it directly from Amazon or, or most um, online retailers, retailers should have it. Or if you want a signed copy, you can go on to the helpmetoparent.ie website and order a signed copy on there. There you are, helpmetoparent.ie. That's the uh, website and you can get a copy of the book. I'm just thinking in general, James, it's the second volume now. With all the scenarios and situations you've dealt with through your lifetime and continue to deal with, this is a never-ending volumes is it, Alan? Is there more potentially? <laughs> well, you know, I'll let you in a little secret, Jerry. Volume three will be coming next Good. year. <laughs> there you go. I'm not surprised because there is just so much to be dealt with and the goalposts change all the time. Though beneath at Christmas time, Alan, there are always a few common things. And you've sent to us a, a couple of scenarios that you've come across in, in your work recently. In, anonymously, it could apply to anybody. And maybe you'd just take them for us today uh, to uh, help people this Christmas time with children. Here's the first one. Uh, it, it's a, a couple uh, who've split up, a husband and wife. Uh, they have a 10-year-old daughter who stays with the mum five days, dad two days a week. And uh, she'll spend Christmas Eve and morning with the mum and then go to her dad's in the afternoon. But the mum is dreading it because, you see, she's from the UK, has moved to Ireland, hasn't got family here, and she feels she's going to be at a loss. Now, there's no problem between the parents. The uh, sharing of the parenting there is fine. But for somebody who finds themselves in that situation, that you're the parent without your children on Christmas Day, what's your advice? Yeah, and I think there's probably a lot of parents out there who have experienced something similar where, you know, there will be have been a separation or a divorce between themselves and their spouse, and they're trying to divide up the time for the children. And luckily enough, in this case, for this mum, she has a decent enough relationship with her ex-husband. But because her all her family is in the UK, she's very uh, aware of the fact that she doesn't want to be putting herself on her friends or, you know, other people that she might just land on when they've got their own families, and especially now with COVID. Mm. And I think it's it's such a challenge because it'd be very easy for me to say, well, you know, your friends won't mind, go pick up the phone and just go along. And that could be an option. So you may have a friend who go, look, if, you, if you're at a loose end, come ahead and we'll we'll have you, happily have you for the, the afternoon. But if we're worried about that, then it's a, a case of just trying to manage managing the, the the feelings that you have about the situation. It it is challenging having your family far away, and sometimes it's about going. Well, what do I want to do for myself? So my child is okay. What can I do to make myself? as content as I can be on the day. So it might be picking your favorite movies, maybe going for a walk on, on, a, on a beach or, you know, maybe just dropping in to see a few friends to say a quick hello for five or 10 minutes. All that is giving you a focus. Now, some people will say, I want a distraction, but I actually don't call it a distraction, Jerry, because sometimes 
when we use the word distraction, it makes us seem like we're not in control of what the, the challenge is. Mm. Whereas if we deal with it or ma- use, use techniques to manage it by going, well, I'll go for a walk because I know that's going to get me out and I enjoy it. Or I'm going to go for a run or I'll go and visit my friend and pop in and say hello. You're actually managing it. And that's allowing you the space to then go, actually, this is as good as it can be right now. It doesn't mean it's going to be the best Christmas ever. It might be the hardest Christmas ever, but you're managing it in the moment and you will be okay. I think that's the overriding thing is just to remind yourself that you'll be okay because we can all get into a, a negative loop about, oh my God, this is the way it's going to be forevermore and I'll never be able to spend a fi- a, um, Christmas Day with my family or, or my daughter, but that's not the way it's always going to be. So when we get anxious, we worry about the future. And we used to think about the worst case scenario, where in actual fact, the reality is probably leaning towards a better case scenario where things will just be better. So it's about pulling it back to right now and going, well, what can I do to make the best of the situation right now? And if, if it means sitting down and crying your eyes out watching, you know, some dodgy Christmas movies, well, do that. If that's what's going to give you some sort of sense of, OK, I'm making the most of the Christmas that I have. And because not we, we don't always have things go our way. In mm. fact, usually, Jerry, it's the opposite. Mm. Things rarely kind of go the way we kind of hope or plan, but that doesn't mean that you can't make the most of it and get as good a Christmas as possible out of it. And just focus on enjoying the time that you have with your daughter before she goes to visit her dad. Yeah, it's a, a, a very interesting point you make. Don't distract, focus, do the positive things and uh, immerse yourself in the day. You put another one to me here and it is interesting and I'd say it's a situation that many people perhaps find themselves in. It's a family with three small boys. Uh, mum, Mum's job job went because of the pandemic so she's at home minding the boys now. I'm sure they're delighted. Uh, what a scenario yeah. to have Mummy at home in, in, uh, Mammy at home instead of, uh, you know, uh, being at work. Dad's working away but again his hours has be, have been reduced uh, also impacted by what's been happening in recent times and there's a worry about, you know, can this be as good a Christmas as we expected? Can we, you know, make it great for the children? Or should we set their expectations? What do you say to that? Yeah, well, I think for some people, you know, we all, or a lot of people will live at the the level that they earn. So if you earn, you know, five grand a year or 500 grand a year, you probably live at that level. And then we worry about our children getting used to living at a certain level. And then if things change drastically, like they have for this couple financially, we worry about the impact on our kids because they're not going to necessarily get what they hope for or what they wanted or what they're used to. But that doesn't mean that Christmas can't be a successful time or a happy time. And maybe it's about actually re- reassuring yourself that your children, what makes Christmas isn't always the presence. I remember chatting to somebody who said that they had spent thousands on their kids and the kids spent the day playing with a box, one of the boxes, a huge Mm. big box that one of the presents came in Mm. and they got as much fun out of that as they did with the toys. So I would absolutely set the expectation with your children because I think it's it's fair to let kids know. And, And one of the simple ways I use is to say to the kids, look, Santa you know, only has a a finite amount of presents that he can bring. So you may want X, Y, and Z, but you might only get X and Y. And it's about being happy with what you get. I think we all need to accept that we're, we're doing the best that we can as parents and that, that our kids will be okay. If they, even if they don't get what they're used to getting, 
then you can still make it a fun and happy time and an occasion. But you know your kids best. So if you think that, okay, if they don't come down and see 700 consoles and five new phones sitting under the tree, they're going to lose it. Well, then set the, 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 the example first and say, look, this is what is probably going to happen. And this is what we're going to do to make the day actually a good day. And then deal with your own feelings about the situation. Because when I got this question in, I got a sense that maybe the mum was experiencing, have I spoiled my children by, you know, us having two Mm. wages coming in and just getting them what they wanted every Christmas. But that was then. And you don't have to maintain that. You can change it. You can fully change the situation in your home. So if you did spoil your kids when they were younger, well, you did it. You can't change it. And it's what how things went. But you can absolutely change the, the goalposts because you're the parent. It's like so many parents who will say to me, Alan, I can't take the phone off them now. I've given it to them. But you absolutely can. Now, it doesn't mean they're going to take it lying down, but you are a parent. And our job is to be a parent, as we always say, Jerry. Our job is to be a parent. We can be friends with our kids when they're older. So for this parent in particular, I'd say, set the, the, the boundaries with your kids and let them know, look, this is it's going to be probably less than what you're, you're hoping for, but that's okay. This is what we're going to do to make Christmas actually an enjoyable time for all of us and manage your your own feelings of maybe guilt around, around it and just create a new way of being because we don't know when things are going to change financially and maybe you don't want to go back to the way things were where you're getting them everything anyway because then we do set false expectations for them. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, of course, it's it's opened up new vistas for many people and wonderful vistas as well. And being grateful, gratitude, we always talk about it. It is so important. And it's the experience of Christmas, family and friends and uh, the whole getting together, of course. In a general sense, since I haven't spoken to you for a while and, and you're dealing with parents on the parenting side and you, 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 you are familiar with the children as well. What about this unprecedented last two years, Alan, in your line of work? Has it made it more difficult? Has Have the problems been, you know, magnified? Or, or How do you feel in a general sense on both sides people are coping, parents, children? Yeah, I think people are doing the best they can, but it's definitely been extremely challenging. I think, I think we are in the midst of a, a really challenging time for everybody's mental health be that parents, be that children, be that people who aren't parents. And I think, uh, you know, I would hope that that the government will put money into the supports to to help people through that because people's levels of anxiety, for in my experience over the last year, especially since the turn of 2021, have increased. So I'm getting a lot more referrals coming, coming to me with people with really high levels of anxiety, not being able to manage things because there is no clear end to this. So one of the big things I will always kind of say when I'm working with people is that we need to pair back to right now, because if we get too far ahead of ourselves, like I said, anxiety is an emotion to the future. We worry about the worst case scenario happening. And actually, if we break things down and go, well, how am I doing today? Now, you might be having a bad day or you might be struggling with money, if you focus on what you have to deal with right now, rather than what may or may not happen in the future, that gives you a better chance of feeling more in control because that's one of the big things, Jerry. We don't feel in control when we are anxious. We feel like it's almost like our, our feet are just getting moved along by some force outside. And that's exactly what we're experiencing with COVID. 
there is something that's happening outside of our control and the goalposts keep getting changed by the, the government for right or for wrong, for but because they're not even sure what's happening. So all I would suggest any person does is look at how am I managing? If you need support, go and get support. Be that for parenting, be that for your own mental health, be that for your kids. Go and try and find somebody who can help your kids if you think you or they need it. Otherwise, keep working to take things back to the here and now. What do I need to take care of now? Because I'm sure lots of parents out there are putting themselves under pressure to create a wonderful Christmas because, you know, it's been such a tough year for everybody. But that adds extra stress stress and pressure onto everybody's shoulders. So let's look at try and reverse that and take the pressure off ourselves because sometimes just being together, being with our family, being with our friends is the thing that actually brings us happiness and contentment and being okay in the moment, which is all we can do at any given time. Soothing words, comforting words, reassuring words, as always from Alan O'Donoghue. I've said it before, I ain't surprised you you excel in your field. You really do. And again, congratulations on the book, Help Me to Parent, number two, available from helpmetoparent.ie or across uh, the website. You can pick it up there. And Alan has given us a copy of the book to give away to one of you today. It's a very difficult question. If you studied your Irish at school, you're going to get this one right. What is the Irish word for a child? The Irish word for a child, please. I'm testing them now with the bilingual uh, aspect of this, Alan, to be sure. Anyway, answer to 086-1800-658. The Irish word for a child for a copy of Alan's book signed by him to you today on the show. May I wish you, Alan, and your family a happy Christmas and all the best for the new year. And thank you so much for being our friend on Late Lunch. You're welcome, Jerry, and same to you. Take care of yourself. That's Alan O'Donoghue there. Brilliant, brilliant man. He really is. Helped me to parent. He's helped so many people. I know this in so many situations. And uh, we thank him for joining us again on the show. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. I don't know whether I told you before. I'm a big fan of The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. It's uh, on on cable TV. I pick it up on one of the stations there each evening. It's a night in arrears you watch it. So tonight we'll see Monday's show from the Rockefeller Centre in New York City. I've been there a number of occasions. But I love his show and he's a great range of guests and he's a talented bloke, I have to say himself. But I was watching it last week and who was on but Miley Cyrus. Oh, yes. And Pete Davison. And you see, Miley and Pete are bringing a big extravaganza for the new year to TV in the States and they've been working together. And there's a bit of a spark between them, you know. But you see, Mr. Davison, uh, Davidson, uh, sort of hooked up with Kim Kardashian and posted the pictures and they were out in uh, New York and they were eating together and cavorting together. And Miley, I think, is a bit miffed about this. So on the show, recently, they appeared together the end of last week and Miley really impressed me when she did this. Pete Davidson, this song is for you. When I saw those photos... This is what I played. Oh, thank you. And when I shot it, it should have been me.
Cyrus on Jimmy Fallon's Tonight Show recently. Absolutely brilliant if you just saw her in action. She's something and she's some talent. She's a wild child, isn't she? She certainly is. I'd say she'd be some crack if you were ever for sure. Yes, Miley Cyrus there serenading Mr. Pete Davidson on the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. And I wonder does... Aye. There's no doubt there's something for everybody in the audience on Late Lunch, from Pete Davidson and Miley Cyrus to Father Michael Cusack. Father Michael, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Jerry. How are things there in, in Ireland? Ah, uh, very good indeed. Hey, I see your head of St. Alphonse International Parish of Luxembourg. You've become very fancy with your title. Remember, Luxembourg's a small place, so it's easy to go big here. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I, I'm living here in in, um, in the Couvent, the Redemptorist um, Monastery, and uh, I have responsibility for the English speaking of Luxembourg. But now, Luxembourg is very, very small. It's it's the the same area as County Roscommon. Mm. Uh, albeit a fine um, country, a very wealthy country, and and with. Uh, Nearly, um, I think it's about six hundred and fifty thousand people resident. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's it's a great place to be. Yeah, and you're there since twenty twenty. After spending most of your time beforehand, of course, in Dundalk and synonymous with it, have you settled? You know, quickly. I have really, to be honest. With you. I mean, COVID helps anyone settle because you can do nothing. <laughs> yeah. um, we were sort of locked down for months here. But we've opened and and we're opened and back to sort of normality for the last while. It's been a great uh, it's been a great adventure really here. Um, lots of new people. Uh, I live in the centre of the city, so it's um, everything's on the doorstep. Um, it's easy to make friends. Uh, there's every nationality here. Um, the church itself. Now we're just getting back to sort of normal um, people coming, attending. We, we can take about 200 on a Sunday, but we're also online, uh, which is another, like a sort of a new departure and a new presence for us. But everybody who attends seems to be younger, and uh, this would be a, a country that has a, a clear separation between church and state, and those who sort of opt to go to church, um, you know, they, they really make the effort. Some would be driving, you know, maybe 30, 40 kilometres to come to the church here on, on a Sunday or Saturday. So uh, a real commitment to the church by the believers I- in the faith. The, the the whole scenario you mentioned there with COVID, it's changed the world, never mind where you are and we are here. You would have experienced the same difficult times if you were still with us here I- I- in the North East. Do you keep in touch? Do you, you keep an eye on what's going on back here? I do, more or less. But look, at it, we've enough on our own doorstep really yeah. here. You know, you hear it from home because... It means we can't travel so easily. Ireland's just put into place, you know, the requirement of antigen tests and PCRs for returning home at, at Christmas. I mean, that doesn't apply in for for Italy or for Malta or for France at the minute here or any of the bordering countries. So it's that added little little effort that you have to make. But look, at precautions, precaution, and anything that keeps people safe is good. We we still stick here. I mean, in church, we stick to the sanitising. People are placed into their seats, um, you know, according to family groupings. There's a two-metre distancing. But on the street here, it looks all very normal, apart from, mm. uh, I'd say, 90% of the people wear masks. Mm. And then we have this other side, this crowd of anti-vaxxers who have started protesting every week. And we sort of had a bit of a violent clash there two weeks ago. Uh, the Belgian police were brought in this weekend to try and stop that group coming into the city. They sort of ran through the the, 
the, the Christmas markets are COVID check and uh, and they're a lovely family place to go. But this gang came in and they invaded the markets, you know, and, and broke their way through the, the the COVID check areas. And you know, it's all it's all a bit unsavoury in, in ways. But um, the government have cracked down very quickly on it by bringing in the the, the backups of police uh, this weekend. Mm, so there is cooperation between Little Luxembourg and the bigger nations around them as well. And of course, Luxembourg a real uh, focus for European matters so you've moved on and you're in a different space and meeting different people and and, and a different life what, what are the people there you know you know the Irish people Welsh you're part and parcel of you're an Irish man yourself um you know what would you say you know living in Luxembourg you know the big differences there between there and and living here um, I think that probably the big difference is that we sort of we're a very multicultural country. Um, mm. I know Ireland is increasingly. I was watching the news last night from Ireland, and they were saying about so many who were naturalised yes. yesterday. You know, but uh, here you have because we're we're bordered with with Belgium and France and and Germany, uh, and there's a very big sort of Arabic Turkish community here. You don't. We sort of don't. We don't look at that side of it. You, you, people blend very much here. And then with the European institutions, you have representation from every nation. And it's normal here for people to have different languages. You know. So um, there's quite a healthy and a good Irish community here. And a lot of them are sort of Gael goers. And so you'd, you could go in anywhere and hear somebody talking Irish. And uh, they're sort of proud of heritage, all the different groupings. So. Um, yeah, it's great. The national language here would be Luxembourgish, but the majority of people would speak French and quite a few speak English. And then you have all these other um, uh, nationalities and they sort of blend very nicely together. It's, it's, it's an easy place to, to live. It's an expensive uh, country now in terms of property, but um, it's still, it's a wonderful place. I was, I was laughing at how your radio station has come on with single and ready to mingle. FM, LMFM dating because they have that here at the church as well. They have Catholic single and ready to mingle. So maybe we could do an exchange and match them up. <laughs> well, it's a thought for sure. Uh, that would be an interesting one to follow for sure, Father Michael. What about traditions? You know, we know your love of the crib and the collection you brought together when you were back here. Is it the same, you know, over there, the tree, the crib, the Christmas celebrations, the same the world over? Yeah, I think so. And actually, just there, I mixed up the time today for the for this. We're we're an hour ahead of you, as you know. Mm. So I was sort of ready an hour ago, <laughs> and in the meantime, I went back into the church because they're putting up the crib and the tree there at the moment. I have actually got a collection of cribs here already, just from secondhand shops. Good so, man. Um, but they're yeah, I I I can't resist uh, when I see a nice one, just just getting them. But um, yeah, they're the same tradition, but it's slightly less obvious here. I mean, one of the things in Europe, in, in over here, like Luxembourg, Austria, Germany, is that so we, we, we respect Sundays as a day of rest, irrespective of whether it's a church day or not, you know? So pe- um, people increasingly take their Sunday to be a rest day or a day for walks or a day for family. Businesses don't really open on a Sunday. Um, if they do, they close early. Uh, so it's nice to have that aspect of things. There's no pressure of, of, of having to be continually caught up in commerce. Um, but like down here now in the main square, you have the, the Christmas market, which is lovely. And uh, they have a fine crib at the back of it, but it's sort of hidden all right. You know, it, it just happens to be there. 
So the church side isn't as obvious. And th- those who come to church here in, in Santa France tend to be from, uh, let's say, Italy, Slovenia, Slovakia, Poland, Latvia, all of the, the other countries that surround. It's rare enough for us to get um, uh, Luxembourgish people who, who attend. But then again, they have their own uh, Luxembourgish celebrations in the cathedral here. I was thinking of you when the football was on recently. Ireland played your new crowd and we won. We won. Believe it or not, we won. And, and Steve, I was there. I we was at there. it. We at it. Oh, I was. It was very funny. I must tell you a good one about it, but that happened for, for a long time. When you, when you Google up this man, you'll see he's, he, he's no oil painting, but I've forever been compared, mistaken, for, for Eddie Jordan. Mm. Can you get it? I get it. I get yeah. it. Anyway, 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 I was at the match and there's three lads in front of me and I thought I must know them from the church, you know. But uh, one was sort of acknowledging me and I started to give a bit of a wave. And next thing, when the interval came and his friend went to get a few more beers, it was in the new stadium, the Stade de Luxembourg, which is beautiful. And uh, he, the fella came over to me and he said, Eddie, it's great to see you. And I said, yeah. I said, I think I know who you think I am. <laughs> But I'm not Eddie Jordan. He said, are you not? And I said, no, I'm not. But we, we pretended it with his friend when he came back and uh, <laughs> we had a good laugh over it. But the, the long and the short of it was that the, the, the friend said, well, one way or the other, I need to get my two sons baptised. So it's nice to meet you. <laughs> so he's having Eddie Jordan do the baptism. I ain't, I ain't surprised that you are mistaken because you certainly have the luck well there you go you were picked up for him and of course Stephen Kenny in charge of Ireland which are linked with Dundalk in previous years a a common uh, commonality there between you yeah, and you know there's a great connection here with with uh, I have a very good friend here, Mustafa. He's a, he's a Muslim, and he runs a a restaurant, a coffee shop called the Cali Cafe. And if you ask him who's your favourite, he says, "Do you know who my favourite Irish team is? Drogheda Drug- United." He calls them. <laughs> and he he explained to me. I don't know if you know this connection between Turkey yep. and Drogheda mm, mm. and and the emblem on their flag and uh, on the on yes. the team flag. Where, where, where a ship came in during the famine and brought food from Turkey to... to, uh, to yes. That's his line out, anyway. Yeah, I, I'm familiar with the story, and, and many people are. Uh, you know, it's often, you know, questioned. It's so long ago, but it's one they love and they tell. And, of course, Drogheda United have a link with Trabzonspor, the uh, Turkish... Uh, Premier Division side there so it, they've deepened it in a, in a way but that is really interesting so there you are Mustafa is a draw the United fan well you can have arguments with him you'll represent the Lily Whites and he'll represent the Bindsiders I'm, I'm, I'm down with the with the, with the, the track suit from the Lily Whites and he's telling me about draw the United <laughs> there you go isn't it a small world Michael anyway talking about the world God little has changed since you departed these shores uh, you know the, the trouble and strife goes on all over the world even though we lost Trump for a while it may look like and Putin up at that neck of the woods your man in Brazil and uh, do you ever I said this to you before do you never just say to yourself what's it all about well uh, well, I know what it's all about and uh, in the end what it's all about is just looking after your own space because if you're trying to settle the world's problems I don't think we'll ever get there but I mean I think it's an encouragement for every one of us just to try and look after our own quarter and I think that's particularly important when you listen to the things about COVID you know people have to protect 
themselves and they need to protect their own families and relatives and do what they can. Even at Christmas parties now, you know, you, you'll get you'll get uh, people who who want to be selfish about it, but you'll get others who'll be that bit sen- sensible. And I was just looking at a letter there I got this time last year uh, from a family up in Donegal, and they had, the mother was saying how proud she was of her daughter going ahead with her wedding. She said it was just twelve of us. We had it on the day, and we had our dinner back in our own house. And she said it was a wonderful day. And Lord of Mercy and her husband, he was a great uh, uh, radio man above with uh, Radio Nagel in, in, in Donegal, Seamus McGinney. Um, but, um, yeah, look, we have to adapt and craft our own space. And I think when we do that, then uh, life's that bit better. Um, for a Christmas message, in a way, you know, it's, it's about trying to bring that bit of happiness rather than the pessimism because it's been so... It's been so hard for so many people, and we don't know what that's like until it's it's on your own doorstep, you know. But so many have had to. So you hear, particularly, I notice, you know, where families have lost relatives, maybe in in Mexico or the Philippines or whatever, and they can't go home at all, even for funerals. I mean, that that's a very tragic uh, um, scene that the world has come to. And yes, it's the reality, and you do it for the for the welfare of everyone else. Well, you know, Michael, <clears throat> you are so right because. Good uh, in my book and my belief will always win out at the end of the day, no matter what. And there are times when we do despair, but we got to keep positive and that hope always alive. It's uh, deep within in the human spirit. Anyway, look, I just wanted to say hello to you. We're making home calls abroad from late lunch this year. And since you're abroad and since you're still one of the most popular uh, pastors that ever uh, have come among us here in the Northeast, we wanted to say hello to you. See how you're getting on. And I know your fan club in the Northeast are tuned in today to listen to you and that he's well and doing well. May I wish you a happy Christmas and all the best for the new year and thank you again for joining me today it's been great uh, to catch up Jerry go on hello go on can, can I just say for yourself I mean I saw the charity work you were doing during the year and I think it's super you know that people continue to be mindful you know of those who are in need at Christmas you've you've done a lot of walking and that um, to, to su- support different local charities and needs and I think we need to be bit more conscious of it and I just want to wish you and all of your listeners and all of my friends there in the North East and Dundalk particularly and Drogheda um, to wish them all a very happy Christmas and please God please God we will see some uh, light at the end of the tunnel for 2022 please God we will Father Michael Cusack it's been a pleasure as usual take care of yourself bye bye Father Michael Cusack there, what a fantastic man. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. We are very grateful to Shoe City, Castle Blaney, Ireland's largest shoe store. They are open this Sunday, let me tell you. I've been down there. What an unbelievable place it is. It's simply fantastic. Such a selection they have. Well, they've come on board again this year because there are sponsors of Christmas Cuties and they've given us a voucher, listen to this, for a family, €250. How do you get your hands in it? It's quite simple. Record your child or children singing and send it in to us. Once we play it here on LMFM next week, you're in the draw drum and we'll just draw somebody out at random for that wonderful prize. Let's have a listen to a cutie, Abby, she's called, from yesteryear. COVID. My name is COVID and I'm 19. I live around the world but cannot be seen. I don't like social distancing or waiting in the line. When you're going away, please give us a sign. No more wearing masks or doing quarantine. I can't wait for that day that you're gone COVID-19. 
All of our shops are closed and then our communion was late, but we got to have our day, which worked out great. So, Mr. Virus, you're not welcome here in our little world that's full of cheer. And we'll have no fear. Isn't she lovely? That's our little Abby from last year, one of our Christmas cuties. Will your children sing for us? WhatsApp the audio into 086-1800-658. That's 086-1800-658. Or email it to latelunch at lmfm.ie. And we'll be spinning them all next week here on Late Lunch and draw a winner. Shoe City, Ireland's largest shoe store, Castle Blaney, opened this Sunday. €250 voucher up for grabs. Let's be having you. Still to come on Late Lunch, my artist of the week, Jim Reeves and Fergus. Lynch, his new book, Me, the Game of My Life, but taking us to news, weather and sport at three. It's brilliant. I love it. Maroon 5 and memories, just for you in late lunchland this afternoon. Here's to the ones that we got. Cheers to the wish you were here, but you're not, because the drinks bring back all the memories of everything we've been through. Thank you, Rose, and everybody else for coming back to me to say you got your Christmas cards. I'm delighted you got them, and thanks for the acknowledgement as well. Delighted to send them out to you, and it's got me writing again, so it has. And it's, uh, you know, an art that has uh, disappeared in a lot of cases, that people just don't write anymore. We tap keyboards, we do emails, we send texts as well. But it's lovely to take up a pen and actually write a little note to somebody. I, I love it, I have to say. And thank you to everybody again who's been sending me a Christmas card. And, you know, you're great because uh, you're spending the money in the local communities, as we've been asking you to do. Mead, in County Mead, €100,000 has been spent on the My Mead Shop Local card. Don't forget, it can be used in 300 businesses across the Royal County. It's an ideal Christmas gift. And for more information on the My Mead Shop Local card, log on to mymead.ie. Now our bingo today, yes, I've a book for the final week of the year and for all of the weeks at the start of the year in January to give away two winners today on late lunch. Rise and Shine is the nickname for 29. 29, Rise and Shine, it's the nickname for the number there. Caroline McGrath and Catherine Boylan, bingo books for this week and January on the way to you. And Alan O'Donoghue was with us a little bit earlier on. His new book, Help Me to Parent 2, a signed copy is going to Mary Murphy and Beachmount Navin this afternoon. We'll be in touch there. Thanks, Mary. The Irish word for child. Well, I accepted them all, really. I left myself open here. Lanov, Bob Og, Poshta. Ah, we put you all in the mix and gave everybody a spin there and out came the name Mary Murphy and well done to you. Thanks for getting in touch with us on the show. Now, my artist of the week, Yes, it's gentleman Jim Reeves. And Jim released his first album in November 1955 and was signed, listen to this, I don't think it'd happen today, would it? On a 10-year deal by record label RCA, who saw his enormous potential. Incidentally, at the same time, RCA signed up a fella called Elvis Presley. Did you ever hear of him? Yes, that very same year. My, oh my, Jim was in good company. Maybe we should say Elvis was. Jim joined the Grand Ole Opry round about that time and made his first appearances on ABC TV. Yes, the crooner with a baritone voice was well on his way to international stardom. He purposely, you know, decreased the volume of his voice and lowered the registers in his tones, which gave him a really, really unique sound. Though his background and genre was country and western, 
he appealed to a far wider audience with songs like Am I Losing You? His gospel repertoire, Christmas classics. I'll have to play one of them this week. And the chart topping, he'll have to go, which, listen to this, went to number one in the charts and stayed there for 14 consecutive weeks from late 1959 into early 1960. Did you know this, that Jim Reeves was one of the biggest stars in South Africa at a time when apartheid prevailed, yet he never courted controversy like other entertainers in subsequent times. Interesting, isn't it? Strange. But there you are, he was big there. But he was big all over the world. And in fact, he toured Ireland extensively too in the early 60s and was a huge draw, which I'll tell you more about tomorrow. But for today, it's the song that prompted me to select Jim Reeves as my Artist of the Week. my world you come on in Mr Jim Reeves on vinyl there you can hear our tipping round of the vinyl can't you yes welcome to my world my artist of the week what a voice what a man more about Jim in words and song this time tomorrow on your late lunch we head to our final break of the afternoon and we're going to chat then to Fergal Lynch he's come up with a cracker this Christmas time yes if you follow me football you'll want to get a copy of me the game of my life we're talking about it next I am holding a copy of a fantastic book it's called me the game of my life it's by Fergal Lynch and he joins me on late lunch hello again Fergal well, Jerry, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining me on the show. How, how to start with this? It's just a who's who of Mead football over the years. And again, I say to you, uh, how did you whittle it down to this? Or was that the most difficult job for you? Well, I heard, uh, heard John with David Sheehan there uh, last week on about the Dublin game of my mm. life. And it was a very similar type of problem that you have that you just have so many different. Uh, eras of players to pick from um, and I was wary as well of, of trying to pick too many from the same era, uh, afraid I suppose that they would all have the same tales to tell about very similar games so uh, I, I sat down and I did up a list of players that I really really wanted to talk to and, and uh, thankfully I'd say the vast majority of them are were on my top 25 anyway so it was, uh, it, it was a case of just picking probably my favourite players over uh, my memory of watching me growing up as a kid and uh, so a lot of them are my favourite players personal heroes of mine as well mm. and uh, I knew then a few other guys that had great stories to tell so it was a case of, of just you know writing out that list and, and seeing who I could get and thankfully I got most of my top 25 Oh you certainly did and I say to you again besides the game as David was saying to me and you know you could write as uh, wrote you know about the game itself but their memories around the game before, during, after and that are so special and they're so vivid and they are what actually makes this book so brilliant. Look I picked out a couple myself we could talk about any of them to be honest with you but a few that I really like Martin O'Connell the 88 senior final replay when me just staged out Cork for the two in a row. You know, when you hear Martin O'Connell talking about a game like that, it really does bring home how special that was. 
Yeah, well, Martin, of course, had his own autobiography out. Um, so a lot of Martin's stories were told. But um, it, it was just fascinating to hear what he thought about that game and, and a game that was so tight. It was only 13 points to 12. And it was probably the year after winning the first All-Ireland in 87. And there was a sense about me having to back up that victory in 87 just to reaffirm that they were the best team in the country. And Martin tells that story brilliantly. Um, not just that game, but, you know, he, he does focus on that game was one where he was man of the match. And, but it, he also talks about the other highlights of his career and the lowlights that he had endured. But he talks about the time, uh, the untimely death of Cork goalkeeper John Cairns and, and the animosity that existed between Mead and Cork before that, mm. um, which kind of arose out of these games. Uh, the 87 All-Ireland Final and 88 All-Ireland Final. And he spoke then about how the two counties came together after that untimely death of John Cairns. So while a lot of the chapters of players do pick a certain game uh, that they like to focus on, we do talk to them about you know the highs and lows of their careers and the highlights as well. So there are a lot of fascinating stories. And as you said, Martin's is, is definitely up there. Mm, Tommy Dowd, you know the year of the four in a row against the Dubs, 91. You'd think, you know what I mean, that Tommy would, you know, focus on perhaps those, but not at all. It was when Mead squeaked past Ross Common uh, in the semi-final just by a single point. That's the one that stays with Tommy. Yeah, and, and when doing, when researching this book and looking back over, it was like a little rabbit hole you'd fall into, uh, you know, YouTube videos and old archive reports on the game. And it was just fascinating to look back and remember that game against Ross Common. And how brilliant Tommy Dowd was that day. But Roscommon also deserved a lot of credit. They were outstanding that day. But Tommy picked out that game, not just because he had played so well in it and he was the most outstanding player on view, but he'd been taken off at half-time in the Leinster final against Leach. Uh, wasn't playing well. And he was probably in fear that he had lost his place and he wasn't going to get back into the team for the All-Ireland semi-final. So that game was so crucial for him to get back into the team. And then when he did get back in there, my God, that he, he took his, his second chance and made the most of it. He certainly did. And just another one before we have to go that uh, jumped out at me. Colm O'Rourke, I thought he'd, because I've spoken to a number of them over the years, and you know that Leinster final of 86, the big breakthrough for Colm and a number of players and the team, of course. But no, he went for a National League final when really Meath uh, showed a clean pair of heels to Dublin. And and he says himself, I think, it, he reckoned it was his finest performance. Yeah, well, he, he went for, you know... As I said, with a lot of the, the guys that we did in the book, we tried to steer them in a certain direction. And everybody knows the influence Colin O'Rourke had on Mead football in that 80s and 90s period. Uh, a massive influence in getting me to the success he did. So I kind of steered Colin towards what he thought was his best individual performance. And uh, as, as it says in the book, the headline on the Mead Chronicle roared that Flynn and O'Rourke were outstanding in that game. And, and Colin certainly looked back on that game, thinking the same thing himself from it. A personal point of view, it was his most satisfying performance. I think it was because Mead had gone down to 14 men after Kevin Foley had been sent off. And Colm had to come out and operate more around the midfield area and really got stuck in, very physical, but very influential in that game. And it was a massive win for Mead. 
And I, they can just keep going through them. I, I see Ali Murphy there, the Leinster semi-senior uh, final, I beg your pardon, in 1999. When again, Mead beat Dublin. Jesus, when I say, think of all the times uh, Ali ran defences ragged in his career. But look at all the names that are in there. Going back to Peter Darby, Jack Quinn, our own Matty Kerrigan, right up through to the, to the current era as well. It has it all, this book. It really has. And you know what I love about it, Fergal? You dedicate it to your mum, Marie. Yeah, yeah, ma'am. My my mother was a, a passionate Navinamani's woman. Um, really loved her football. And uh, if ever anybody was to get into a debate with me about football, it was always my mother. You could <laughs> trust her to. Uh, she'd be the first one going through the Chronicle on a Wednesday when it came out to uh, nitpick anything that I might have said. But unfortunately, we what we lost our mother eight years ago, uh, very suddenly. Um, so you'd have missed those conversations and those chats with her. Yes. But she. Uh, Spent most of her life living in Trim, which was difficult, I suppose, for a passionate Navin and these woman. But uh, she never lost her, never lost her love for the hoops. Ah, listen, it's a lovely touch. I have to say to dedicate it to her. You've done a great job, as I said to David. And honestly, if you're a Mead fan or you're looking for something for a Mead supporter this year at Christmas time, you won't go wrong if you get a copy of this book. They love it, I promise you. And they love you for giving it to the Mead Game of My Life by the brilliant Fergal Lynch. Where is it available, Fergal? Uh, well, it's available online, um, I think, in all the book depository, Eastman's, Amazon, but it's also available in a couple of shops around Trim. It's in Ted Murta's, it's in Lynch's shop uh, on Emmett Street, it's in uh, Gary Costello's Centra in Kilmeston as well. I think Jaxie Kiernan has a few copies left in um, in Navin as well, and it's available in the Me Chronicle office. So it's it's... It's, there's still a few of them out there, Jerry. Yeah, so yes. hopefully, uh, hopefully people enjoy it for Christmas. Ah, they will for sure, Fergal. Should God Almighty, this is a this is a gem of a book. It, it really is. You've done Mead Football a great service, and you're a brilliant writer, I have to say. And congratulations to you on it. And I wish you well for the Christmas time and the New Year in all sporting matters and life. Thanks for joining me, Fergal. Thanks, Jerry, and you as well. Have a great Christmas. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's the brilliant Fergal Lynch there, of course, writing with the Chronicle for 25 years. He's a brilliant analyst of sport. He really is. And this book is called Mead. Game of my life. Well worth getting for the Royal in your life. That's it on Late Lunch for this Tuesday afternoon. My big thanks to Brian Farley, who guided me safely through the last couple of hours today. Tomorrow on the show, Suzanne Lynch is with us. Tony Conlon brings you his motoring picks of the year. Yes, his car of the year and more besides. Eddie Caffrey's Coming next with The Drive on Late Lunch. Stay with us here on LMFM Radio. Have a nice evening. Do come back to join us for your Late Lunch tomorrow from 1.30. See you then. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drada and Dogging Cabin. Order your new Dacia Duster or the all-new Dacia Sendero and Stepway. Guaranteed delivery and low-rate APR finance. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.